Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And, yeah, we just had a little bit of a technical hiccup, but it's all sorted. Um, Keith is waiting um, online at the moment to speak, and he's the coordinator of um, prison support and at the Red Cross. And we also are going to be having Nick, who will introduce himself in full when we speak to him. And he's going to be speaking about the lived experience of prison. Um, Claire is here, here too. Hello, Claire. Hi, Marisa. It's lovely to have you. And um, so pretty soon, and Rob's here. Hello. Yep, you just heard Rob before. And um, Nick has also done um, a a post-release program. Um, He's getting one off the ground at the moment, and he's from the Red Cross. We're going to speak to him about the lived experience of the criminal justice system. And he's a previous peer supporter. Um, Keith met Nick when he was he was inside, and I believe that Nick's also um, studied a diploma in community services. Um, and so we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, he's also at the at the Red Cross as well. So yeah, without any further ado, um, I'm just going to go into another quick announcement, and then we'll get the guys on the line and. Um, We'll speak about that. And Claire, I think I'd like you to talk about your report as well. Sure. Um, and, and speak about, you can all speak about the reintegration puzzle conference. So it's going to be a little bit of a, like a panel discussion, so to speak. So stay tuned, listeners, for this very special broadcast about the lived experience of prison. And we'll go into a quick announcement. Sitta. Malumatu laun fil usari. يستضيف مجلس يارا وخدمة فيدزوري القانونية فيدزوري ليجل سيرفيس جلسة معلومات عن العنف الأسري يوم الأربعاء الثاني عشر من تموز يوليو من الساعة الثانية مساء إلى الساعة الثالثة مساء في مكتبة فيدزوري وستغطي الجلسة السبل القانونية لوقف العنف الأسري يمكنك حجز مكانك على الموقع الإلكتروني www. yarasari.vic.gov.au Libraries أو لتصلوا بمجلس يارا على الرقم 920555555 أو من خلال خدمة المترجم الشفهي على الرقم 920-1940 لمزيد من المعلومات And you're back with the Doing Time show and you're back with the Doing Time show. And on the line this evening, we have Nick and Keith, um, who I just introduced, and Claire's here too. So hello to all of you. Hi, Keith. Hello. Hi, Keith. Hi, Nick. (laughs) It's Claire here. Hi, and thanks, Marissa. Yeah. Can can you hear me, Keith? Yeah, I can. Can you hear us? Absolutely. Nick? Yes. Oh, there you go. You just have to get a bit closer. Okay. Good on (laughs) you. That'd be better. Now, this is quite going to be quite a, a good, a special broadcast because there's going to be a whole lot of us. Um, and I just wanted to introduce you. you. You both know Claire, right? Yeah, that's right. Nick, you know Claire, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And and we've also got Rob joining us in the studio, and he's he's the co one of the co hosts for the Doing Time show. Hi. Yeah. Nice so. To meet you. 
So who wants to go first? Because I thought we could start off with a few introductions. What would you like me to do a bit of context for you? Absolutely, Claire. That would be lovely. Okay. So I guess um, I um, met um, Keith certainly at the Reintegration Puzzle Conference two years ago in Brisbane. Um, I was giving a talk on how I just got the Churchill Fellowship to go overseas and study the role of ex um, prisoners, offenders as peer mentors. And everyone was saying, oh, wow, fantastic, this is great, look, can't wait till you come back with all the information. And Keith in particular sort of took me aside and said, we so need to have something like that happening down in Tasmania um, and uh, at Risdon Prison. And and bingo, then just two years later, so just at the recent Reintegration Puzzle Conference in Sydney, the whole theme was the lived experience, um, you know, changing um, systems from the inside out and um, the session that I spoke then further about my research was also the session that Keith and Nick spoke about their program that they run with the Red Cross in Wisdom Prison. Good on you Claire and and okay so Keith did you want to go next? What, what, how, yes. Go on. Sure um, so I'm the coordinator of the prison support program for um, Red Cross uh, down here in Hobart, so myself and Nick are uh, sitting here in downtown Hobart, uh, where the office is. Um, I've actually been in the role for about two and a half years, uh, but it, it, it's been ongoing for quite some time, providing um, a program in Risdon Prison, which is the... There's only actually one prison in Tasmania, one adult prison, um, and it's Risdon Prison. And uh, so we train up supporters to be like a contact person for new prisoners and prisoners who sort of um, need some assistance whether it be you know a bit of bit of um, sort of someone to talk to or some educational support or just a bit of um, guidance around the way the prison works and even the sort of unwritten rules of the prison and and um, so yeah you, they're usually people who sort of know the prison system reasonably well and um, are trying to do something positive in the prison yard. Uh, so that's that's what the program does. I've been the coordinator of that for a couple of years, and yeah, as as Claire mentioned, um, I I met her at the reintegration puzzle, and and I realised that um, uh, what she was going to get to research was actually the evidence base for 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 why uh, you know a program like the peer support program can be successful um, because you're actually using um, prisoners. You, you know their knowledge, and, um, and and a lot of the time, people aren't willing to go up to correctional staff or psychologists, therapeutics, or or even not for profit, um, you know, counsellors or anything like that. They want to go and talk to someone who has walked in their shoes. So um, Claire went and sort of when she had gone and done her report, um, actually provided a really strong evidence base to inform our work. So yeah, we stayed in touch and. Um, Claire's come down to Tasmania and then we've caught up in, in um, Geelong and also recently in Sydney. So, yeah, um, that's how we know each other. And, and I'll pass it along to Nick, who's also a project officer in the, in the program down here. Fantastic. Go for it, Nick. Hi. Um, um, yeah, so I'm a project officer for the Beyond Bars program in um, Hobart with the Red Cross. Um, I met Keith um, whilst um, inside Risdon Prison. 
Um, he was heading up the peer support program there and I um, was introduced to him and um, after talking with him, decided I would like to, to join the program. Um, I volunteered in that program for 18 months until my release. Um, upon my release, me and Keith kept in contact and we would talk about the importance of um, a program outside of the prison regarding um, returning citizens' um, need for further help and guidance upon their release and decided to start to work together to, to develop a program in that. Fantastic. So often, you know, what could be really annoying for people that have been in prison is that sometimes, and I'm not referring to you, to Claire and Heath here, because, but I'm, I'm just saying in terms of um, the government, um, is it true that perhaps sometimes government agencies or politicians are too much of a mouthpiece for prisoners and speak up and represent them and don't allow prisoners to speak in any way? Yeah, I would think that would be an accurate... Um, uh, yeah, it's pretty fair to say because in many ways prisoners aren't even legally allowed to speak. Uh, we're not allowed to take any photos or any information or, you know, words or letters or stories or interviews um, aren't permitted to leave the prison gates. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get out. And I also think some issues that the prisoners raise with, with politicians and uh, government in general are not really the issues that need to be addressed at hand. Um, and when when it comes to politicians speaking up about it, the, the real issues that, that need to be addressed are kind of um, going on the wayside. They're not kind of coming to the forefront, yeah. Mm. Mm. Brisbane's actually still in uh, medium security as of Friday. We're still locked down from an incident last week. Um, and the official line was that it was, you know, uh, something to do with the uh, withdrawal of nicotine patches. Um, and, and the response was, you know, disturbance, and then there was tear gas, and then it, and it was locked down. Um, but... Uh, I think there's got to be some sort of underlying issue there um, and no one's really talked to the prisoners to find out uh, what what they think was the driver behind the disturbance, you know. So I'm always left to wonder and um, you, you don't... Yeah, those stories don't really come out so, so you're never quite sure what's going on sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Nick, apparently you've written a paper about peer support in prisons with Rob White? No. No, no I haven't written a paper with Rob White. That's Keith. Um, Did you write with Keeper Keith? Okay. <laughs> it's been a most interesting <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> I'll talk to you afterwards, Keith. <laughs> Can you tell us about the paper, Keith? Uh, yeah, so yeah. well, actually, it was a collaborative effort because it's it yeah. sort of coming. We've been, we've, uh, me and Nick have known each other for, for um, you know, a couple of years now. So that there's a lot of conversation. Oops, aren't you and, being a bit modest there, Nick? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. something like that. So what the the, the paper was actually um, <laughs> is actually about the limits and possibilities of peer support. Yeah. Um, 
So it is actually about the challenges of implementing a program like that, um, yeah. you know, like in a prison, uh-huh. um, and also about the potential possibilities, uh, not just to improve the, the, the atmosphere of the prison yard, but also for the participants. So um, there is a lot of scope, a lot of potential for people to to get a lot out of participating in something like that, whether it be um, a chance for them to sort of be doing something positive and taking on a, 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 a sort of reconstructed narrative identity, but also uh, sometimes they're more eligible for day release and to go out to training and to get involved in that way. So there's benefits and they get an allowance and, you know, they, they uh, attend meetings and... and um, it also probably doesn't hurt their chances of parole if they're, if they're active in things like that. That's right. Yeah. Um, but the other side is that they're providing a benefit to the immediate community um, because they're, they're helping people um, do their time better and know what's going on and also like they're helping alleviate the anxiety. When people first get to prison, obviously, it's very nerve-wracking. Um, so to have someone there just to sort of tell them it's going to be okay um, and tell them the sort of first things that they need to do to stabilise in the place and, and the way the way it works. It's really, really valuable. Um, I think it's sometimes a bit undervalued. Um, and w- we've had a lot of people come come to us and say it's, it's really needed, it's, really, uh, it's a really crucial role. So that's the positive side of it, and that's what's good about it. The challenges, there's a lot of challenges to sort of implementing any programs uh, in a prison, especially if you're an outside agency like a, a not for profit, you're not you're not in the you're not in the system really. You you're constantly on the outside trying to trying to uh, be able to navigate it and, and get things done. Absolutely. Um, and and yeah. I think um Look, that's really. I'm thankful that you were able to give to give that explanation. Just a little bit of a housekeeping because it's, this is radio, and obviously people don't have the visual cues. So that was that was you, Nick, right? That was that was speaking. Uh, that was me. That yeah. was you, right? Good. See, so you see, you're not. That's good not to be modest because you also collaborated, as Keith said, isn't it, Keith? We yeah, you both yeah, had a hand right. in it, really. So. Um, all right. So, just before you actually speak, just just obviously, just say who you are, just so that listeners can um, conveniently follow the flow of, of the talk. Yeah. Sure. So, so um, mm. who's next? So, Claire, did you yeah. want to maybe talk about sure. the conference and yeah? Well, actually, I was just going to pick yeah. up on them when uh, yeah, of course, Keith, oh, you Go know, just it. talking about with the you know the current issues um, in in Risdon and and then you know you. I guess we instantly wonder, well, actually, what what is going on, and, mm. and have have prisoners actually been asked, or you know, why have things got to this stage? And you know, I think if we can get to a point, and I'm sure that we will, because we're all starting out, and what um, Keith and Nick already started with the program in Risdon, if we can get to a point at like what say User Voice in the United Kingdom have been doing, they have established prison councils, and then they have what they call um, even uh, uh, their well the, the councils in the in the community in the community service councils. What these prison councils are is in that that so user voice works with the prison staff and the prison governors. They 
regard the prison as a community. They then put to the prisoners, okay, who wants to, um, you know, be a part of this council, put themselves up for election to the council. So they actually have different parties, you know, with different titles. <laughs> you know, it could be, you know, the just the prisoners' rights party. It could be something else. And then they actually run it like a, um, a, a council election and um, campaigning, and then they actually have a proper voting process. So what they get out of that is an elected prison council um, with prisoners on that council. Overseas you're talking about, right? This is overseas. So when you think of it, if they can get to that point after, you know, probably starting in the first place with peer mentoring or even, you know, someone who's come out of prison deciding that they want to start their own agency, if they can get to that point, I'm sure we can as well, where it's not about us just assuming why there's been a riot but that a riot is headed off because you've got an active citizenship of um, people within a community in the prison um, resolving issues through a council. That's What do you guys think about that? That's Nick speaking here. Um, I think if it could come to that point, that would be a, a great um, way of dealing with, with problems that occur in, in the prison. Because um, at this point in time, when people have their own voice, it seems to be their own agenda. Um, if a prisoner wants to speak out about something, it's, it's normally about what they want to change, not what the, what the prison mm. as a community want to change. So if the prison um, could have a voice, like a party um, and a council, and everybody could have a vote on something, um, I think great change could, could occur. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm. That That's really good. So... You, the three of you, had mm. a role at the recent conference in in Sydney. Is that is that right? Yes, we did. So the reintegration puzzle conference that's convened by Deakin University, and it's been operating for thirteen years now. Um, have been held in every state. Um, a couple of conferences were overseas, but so the latest one was in Sydney, and um, and and I think through. Um, just, I guess, the close involvement through with my Churchill Fellowship and the benefits of needing the lived experience agencies um, throughout Australia sort of popping up and getting in touch as well with Deakin around the conference. We had um, people like, uh, groups like Seeds of Affinity from South Australia. You know, we had Linda Fisk on here a couple yes, of we weeks did. ago. Yeah. Yep. Um, there was Women's Justice Network in Sydney uh, and there we had... Um, yeah, Keith with Red Cross um, program um, in Risdon, and and just others as well um, across the country, other Indigenous groups that have started their own programs. Oh, Keenan Mundine, who I think we're still hoping to have on. <laughs> Keenan Mundine, who started his own yeah Aboriginal Justice Consultancy. Um, so the you know the keynote speakers, most of them were, were, were um, had lived experience of prison and had their own powerful stories to tell. And then in all the different breakout sessions, there were different programs also with that same theme and um and i was um in the same um session as with with keith and nick uh we also had um the center for innovative uh justice you know, rmit rob hulls they've teamed up with jesuit services and doing a, a program around people with intellectual disability and experience of the criminal justice system mm. yeah and keith how, how did you find the conference 
Um, I think I've been to three now. Uh, yeah, lucky enough to get to go to three because it really is the, the sort of most significant. I mean, it's the only not-for-profit um, uh, prison-focused conference in Australia. So when you go there, you're surrounded by people who, who I think are really inspiring. Uh, I think this was the best one I've been to. And probably the best part of it was at the end of it all, everyone sort of looked around and, and said, look, we're on the same page with a lot of these issues here. Um, so rather than preaching to the choir, so, um, we, we can, we can, we're across a lot of these issues. We can actually, um, on some of the major ones, we can probably join forces and, and try to have a bit of a united voice that gives it a bit more momentum so that we're not just talking to people in the room at these conferences. We're actually kicking the conversation out to a wider um, audience and, you know, advocating and, and, and getting the conversation started elsewhere. Uh, and I think that was the best outcome because, I mean, mm. it, it's it's wonderful to hear people talking, um, you know, uh, about these issues, but it, we all we all want it to go even further. We all want it to become part of a more mainstream conversation. Uh, Absolutely. So that was, yeah, I thought that was really probably probably the best mm. um, best thing that could have come out of it. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well that what we've been able to do since you know, just as you're saying, Keith, when we were talking at the conference of how we really need to start a like a, a, a network, a national network, and literally we've 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 got that underway in this good organic way with um, Linda Fisk coming on the Doing Time show a couple of weeks ago from South Australia talking about what they're doing and now you speaking from Tasmania about what you're doing so thanks to Marissa we're actually we're making it happen. <laughs> well you know and, and this is good because we usually I, I usually don't do shows this way but I feel like we need to do it more often you know that it's always good to ha- to get a bunch of people on air and and discuss these things. I mean, the Do and Time show has traditionally been um, a broadcast where people from minority groups, including, you know, of course, including prisoners and um, and Aboriginal people who's and deaths in custody, people who've died, you know, families have had loved ones die in custody and so forth, can all come in here in a safe environment and talk about these things without being bamboozled by. Um, right-wing mainstream media outlets. And, Rob, you've been a bit quiet there. You, you, are you, have you got anything to say or contribute? Uh, yeah, I've been just uh, listening here. Um, it's just from, from somebody who's not too familiar with this issue and stuff, do you feel that having this cancelled there would help would help to prevent um, inmates from com- coming back into the prison and able to integrate more in the system to kind of stop this revolting door thing? Yeah, so what do you reckon, Nick? Yeah, go for it, Nick. <laughs> yeah, well, I think if um, I think anything that could help deter people coming back into prison and making an issue more uh, the issues um, more aware to the public um, is a great idea because it, it helps the community even to understand the issues and change their way of thinking and to accept people that have come into. Um, out of prison into the community a lot more uh, help with employment um housing uh, just generally all over yeah 
Nick, how how did you? And please, if you don't want to answer this question, you don't you don't need to. But I wanted to just put it out there. How did you actually come to the realization um, that it was important to have peer support and and that you wanted to do this work? Obviously, being inside would have been quite challenging. Um, how did you did you come to this um, realization? Um, I came to the realisation by hearing other people's stories inside the prison, um, understanding that there was a real lack of education um, with people that were at prison. Um, uh, there were just a lot of drug issues, a lot of drug talk, and I wanted to move past all that and and show that even though you are inside prison and things are happening out of your control, you can still change your life um, and, and change the way that you're thinking and change the way that you're going to live outside um, once you're released. So I then started to change myself and um, got myself educated within the prison, which was really difficult. Um, and when I spoke to Keith and saw that he was... Um, doing this peer support program inside the minimum security um, prison, I wanted to then help out and show people that, yes, you can change if you put your mind to it. Wow, okay. Yeah, um, definitely. And uh, definitely. And um, and I hear from others out there that when they do have to get go into prison and they do want to make that change for themselves, they got a lot of time where they can go to school and there's a lot of um, um, programs that you can go to college while f- through the mail. And but when you're locked up, it seems like a lot of that information is not available to you. Like, so what can you do so you can be more productive while while you have time sitting in your cell, so you can work on getting on the outside and do something better for your life. Yeah, that that information about education isn't really available when you're in there. You kind of have to self-search. Um, I myself uh, had to see and seek different people in regards to um, options that I had. Um, and even then when I tried to say what I wanted to do and, and, and seek the help that I needed, I was deterred. It was only after um, probably four months of constant nagging to, to certain staff that I really wanted to, to achieve something um, to fulfil my time in the prison and to help myself when I'm out, that they actually listened and, and got me on board with some study. So, mm, what sort of study was it, Nick? I did a, um, a... I started off with a cert to inactive volunteering and met um, a lovely lady that was teaching the class um, I spoke to her in regards to things I wanted to do when I was out um, back in the community, which was um, social work. And she then talked to me about a cert for in mental health, a cert for in alcohol and other drugs, and a cert for in youth work, which I um, Fantastic. completed off in there. Wow. And you were able to do all of them in there? Yeah, all three. I yeah. did that within a year. Wow. Yep. Wow, but and I attended. Mm. I attended the, the the TAFE here outside. The prison would let me. Um, they would drop me off and then pick me back up at the end of the day. Oh, um, so you were able to go out out to the TAFE? Yeah. 
yeah, they they let me go out to the TAFE so I could attend classes. Wow, where, where was this, Tasmania? <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine them doing that in Port Phillip. In Victoria, did you, Claire? Me and Nick were talking about this the other day as well yeah. because um, it, on the other side of the coin, I can sort of understand that, that they're not just going to want to give everyone uh, day release to go out and study at TAFE unless there's been a sort of a ongoing... Um, conversation and someone's really indicated this is what they want to do yeah and they're taking it really seriously so credit to nick Absolutely. he really did sort of stay on course and sort of show and prove and demonstrate that this is something he really wanted to do mm. um and and was going to probably and it wasn't just a flash in the pan thing it was something he was quite driven towards yeah so mm. and he's managed to pass that along to other people he's passed along that message that hey just because you come up with some idea and you go and ask if you can do it, they're probably not going to let you. You actually need to think about what you really want to do and really, you know, something that you're interested in and you're going to be motivated towards and, and something that you're sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, either is going to serve you on the outside and you're sort of suited to um, and then follow that and, and keep singing that same song for a while. And Absolutely. Then, and then you'll be, then you'll get the opportunity, because in in, in um, Risden there is a lot of top down kind of structure to the educational stuff. Like there'll be, you can do a cert one in construction or a cert one in horticulture without too much worry. But a lot of the people in there say, "Hey, I don't want to do that. Mm. Um, I want to do a different course. You know, I've got no interest in that." And, and nothing really happens if people aren't don't if it doesn't line up with their own goals and their own vision of what they want to be doing with their life. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think people have to. Some people just take it on themselves and 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 have and create that vision of, of where they want to go. And yeah. uh, Nick's done well with that, and we've seen another couple of people manage to pull that off. But it's definitely not. It's not, not easy. Yeah, <laughs> this is Nick speaking again. Um, to elaborate more, um, I, I basically had to give a five or ten year goal plan of what I wanted to do with my life. I think they wanted to see me achieve the, the cert doing active volunteering before they would even think about um, putting me into a cert four. Who, who did that? A psychologist? No, this this is education department. Education department. So that's yep. interesting. This is this is really yeah intriguing. Um, yeah definitely. I mean, I, I don't mean to say the pun here, but it seems like that some cases the education department needs to be educated, <laughs> and that um, and it seems like when an inmate gets in, into prison, um, when an inmate um, gets settled in, they should ask him, "What is it that you would like like to to study if you had that opportunity? What would you like to done on the outside that you didn't have opportunity for?" saying that to um, the edu- some the education levels of inmates in recent prison is very low to begin with and I think the problem lies too is that inmates themselves don't even know what they want to do because they don't right. even understand what is out there to do yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was lucky enough to understand what I wanted to do in the pathway to get there um, but if you could I, I had that discussion with an inmate at one stage and 
asked him himself, what would you like to do when you're out? And he didn't even know how to describe how to be a carpenter. He just said, you know, people who build build houses, kind of. That. Right. So he didn't understand the education kind of needs that or all the pathways to, to get where he wanted to go. But um, see, it's, it's interesting, Nick. Sorry to interrupt. It's, it's interesting, mm-hmm. Nick, that, um, you know, you were mentioning before that they were asking you what, what your goals are. Luckily that you knew those goals and that you were able to articulate them, but what about the other guys that didn't know and then they might miss out on, on opportunities? You know, I'm, I mean, if I want to go and study, I'm not going to be asked what my 10-year what ten ten goals are. You know? Yeah, and I think I think that may be important where they might need a career counsellor to come into the prison or, yeah. or mm. an education counsellor to come into the prison. Um, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. For the, even for the Cert 4, the first six months of the Cert 4, I had to do that in myself. They didn't let me, um, and that's with the mental health, they didn't let me go out to the tape, so I didn't really get a lot of um, paperwork in, in regards to being able to... to research things i had to come up with things myself i had limited internet access and it was only the benefit i had of um externals like keith coming in and and um other teachers that i could um get papers to be able to read about what i was studying they made it very difficult for me to actually study in there it was it was through perseverance that i was able to achieve so i can Mm. see how even a lot of people that don't have the drive that I had could even fail inside a prison just in regards to how um, the prison service treats someone who wants to better themselves. So mm. how long were you in there for, Nick? Was it a long sentence? I, I served three years. Okay, so that three years. Well, that that's quite a big chunk, isn't it? Yeah. It was that last, um, I think, 18 months to... Yeah, 18 months that I was studying... And how long have you been out? Eight months. Oh, yeah, ten months. Yeah. Ten Not even months a year. And no. That's fantastic. And you're doing, like, peer support work at, um, at the Red Cross? You're actually going into the I prison? I teeth. I come up with some ideas every now and then. But <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. No, it's, it's, really, it's really good that you've been able to speak with us and you and, and as well as you Keith and, and Claire too because often what tends to happen is that we always hear about the negative experiences that people have it's never about moving forward so it's really it's really heartening to hear positives as well about mm-hmm. how people are actually moving forward I think too like I mean just how valuable is it though to hear Nick's story mm. um and what it was actually like for him going through but what he was able to achieve because otherwise what it's left to is so many policy makers making assumptions about what people need. Yeah, and I, I think that's where your report comes in, Claire, that, you know, you, you were able to um, talk about the all these wonderful overseas programs and like I keep saying and, and I know I sound like a broken down record but, you know, Australia needs to get with the program, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's all based on it's listening to people that have been through the experience that they're the best experts. They're the experts by experience. 
Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Having that peer support group from the time from the time that you're in prison to help you carry all the way through until it's time to be released and then until you get fully established on the outside can be really helpful. Absolutely. Can I just add something to the yeah. here um, in addition to what Claire said? So, um, and since Mick's come on board um, as, in a paid role with Red Cross um, as a project officer, on a program development level, so we are trying to expand this program out to do post-release support and um, do some social reintegration um, type piece for, for people who are transitioning and exiting from prison. Uh, that's the goal because I think that's actually the really, that's the missing piece down here in Tassie. There's just not much out there for people coming out of prison. Um, so that was why Nick was onboarded as a, as a project officer. And like, it, yeah, he's, he, um, he mentioned that I'm driving a bit. I, I don't think that's really the case. I think it's a, it really is a collaboration because there's just so many issues and so many, um, so many nuances to it that I really didn't understand until I'm talking to Nick and I'm always asking him, you know, sort of to fill in the blanks in these, in these um, areas that I just don't know. The internal workings of the prison, number one, some of the politics, some of the you know, um, is just he'll do a lot of myth busting on on what what's really going on because there's just actually no substitute for talking to someone who has actually lived there in Brisbane, and that's what's missing from a lot of um, the programs. You know, it just doesn't have that deeper understanding because it's not developed by someone who's who's been through, who's walked that journey from from day one where you put on the prison maroons and walk through the gate um, to to the journey of like deciding that, that you're not coming back and, and exiting back out and, and uh, actually coming back out. So I just think that without that, it would, <clears throat> we would, yeah, we wouldn't really be going anywhere. Um, so I, 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 I'm sure Claire would support this, but I think every program that's getting implemented for um, returning citizens, people coming out, needs to be informed by that, you know, by someone like me. Otherwise, you're just another practitioner, you know, sort of guessing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, One way that we can improve the prison system is actually hearing from the inmates themselves on on how things can be better. So just out of... To set things in context here, in terms of um, policy and, and in terms of these things actually happening here in Australia, how far away are we from that? What What are your opinions on that today? What do you think? Well, I think that uh, hopefully it happens sooner than later, but I, 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 I doubt anything will happen in the next few years. I'm, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of challenges. There's Spoken more, like a true veteran. About, <laughs> yeah, there's more talk about building more prisons than, than rehabilitation services. Yeah. So, mm. um, uh, like, I, I just think that the way that government is thinking on this issue is is, is wrong and I, I can't see it changing anytime soon. So it's up to... Um, yeah, like these projects. It's getting some 
So it's key here is just adding in um, the difficulty in getting someone who's done time to go back in is huge. They're absolutely allergic to the whole idea of it a lot of the time um, because they've got the security and the risk goggles on um, the benefit to, to having someone who's turned the corner and go back in and tell their story. It's um, been an ongoing battle for, for practitioners anyone running a program down here getting someone back in who has lived experience is easier said than done. In fact, it hardly ever happens at all. It's it tend to have a um, very, very resistant to that. Would you agree with that? I'd, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, I think they try to, they don't want to deal with the problem. I think they just like to build a warehouse for people with drug and alcohol issues and mental health issues. Um, they, they don't seem to want to put the money into researching about it and trying to trying to fix the problem the under all the underlying issues of why people actually are in the prison services and this is precisely why um we have shows like the do and time show so that we can actually act as a watchdog in regards to these programs these new programs coming in i mean often what we hear time and time again not just from um, people that have been to prison, but also from lawyers, from um, advocates, and from you know even Aboriginal people and their families and and families in general, is that it's all about it's all about um, control, social control. It's it's not about self determination. Mm. Yeah. And when you think and, about um, you know, Nick is the perfect success story, you know, you'd think um, anyone who's come out of prison and been able to then move on in life and then establish themselves out of that, that pre-life, isn't that the perfect success story to then come back into the prison and be the inspiration for those that are struggling to do so? doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, I think it doesn't make sense either. And then uh, I think Keith... Um, says to me on occasions that it's just mind-boggling that someone can't come back in and, and mentor um, or, or have motivational talks to the prisoners to say, hey, look, I'm out here and I'm, I'm achieving. You can do it yourself. Please you put your mind to it. Absolutely. Mm. It's approximately 4.42, and in case people have just tuned in, this is the Do and Time show at 3CR, 8.55 a.m. on the dial. And if if you want to stream live, it's www.3cr.org.au. And you're listening to an interview with Nick and Keith from the Red Cross and also with Claire. Well, it's not really an interview. It's really a, a panel discussion. <laughs> and Rob's here too. And um, the topic is the lived experience of prison and what we can do to um, initiate programs um, of peer support and, and other issues. Now, we're kind of – this show finishes at 5 o'clock, so we should do perhaps um, a wrap-up. Are there any final comments that people want to make? Look, I think what um, it's clear here, I think what Keith and Nick are being able to do through the Red Cross with RISDEN is just, is groundbreaking. And and I think it's just a perfect example, really, of what we can do more of in Australia. And I'm, I'm sure that we will start to break down those barriers and break down those processes bit by bit. Well, not even bit by bit, but we're, we're going to do it one way or another. Um, that's what I brought back f- from overseas, um, that others are doing it, so we should be able to as well. And if we keep sharing throughout 
impact, you know, like on radio stations like Doing Time, if we can keep sharing what others are doing around the country um, in this regards, then we can keep motivating and inspiring others to do the same and more or less join forces in saying that, look, this is a movement that has started and it's just going to keep improving and get stronger. Anybody else? Um, it's Keith here. I'd like, um, as a closing thought, yeah, I'd encourage people to read Claire Seffing's paper, uh, the Churchill Fellowship Report, because it is actually it actually will just blow blow your mind um, in terms of what people have been able to set up and um, implement around the world, including you know entire prison reintegration services um, who who have a workforce of, of people you know who with convictions and it's self sufficient and it's you know person-centred and it, and it works and it um, so you know I'd really encourage people to ha- take a look at that but Is there also, a website link? I'll, I'll let you finish and then we'll do the website link for that sure. Yeah I'd, the other thing is um, for people to um, remember to have that conversation with people at barbecue, at the coffee shop at the pub or whatever about the fact that um, most people who are locked up inside are coming out they're not just, they're not they haven't disappeared off the face of the earth. 97% of them in Tasmania come out. Um, so what is there? What life is there for them to come back to? What community is there? And does the community support their journey to, to actually move beyond that and and, um, and um, do something different? So, yeah, rather than just have it as this sort of occasional issue, you know, I, I like to think that we can sort of expand the conversation to your friends, your family and, and people that you meet. That's all. Thank you, Keith. No, that's great. And Nick, is there any final things? Um, yeah, I was, I was going to say what um, Keith just spoke about is that people should have those discussions um, at, at times about um, their fears or, or their thoughts about um, people returning into the community from prison. Um, and and try to think of actions that we can all take to to make the community safer by educating people that are um, locked up at this point in time and, and changing their lives. Because if you change the lives of people that are in prison, it's going to fundamentally um, come back into the community and and change the community for a bit for the better. Yeah. That's exactly right. Absolutely. Well, look, I want to thank everybody for for coming onto the show, and it's it's uh, it's always good, isn't it, to have to have like minded people speaking about things, isn't it? Yeah, it's been wonderful. It Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have to we'll have to come back and and um, share further updates. You know, perhaps every every couple of months or so, it'd be nice to meet back here on radio and just have a bit more of a chat about how everybody's going because we like to keep, on this show, we like to keep continuity on, on the topics. And often what tends to happen, you know, with with the governments, we've got to repeat, repeat, repeat. Yep. And and keep going. Absolutely. It, and that's, um, yeah. yeah, that my um, report is, you'll find it on the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust website under Claire Sepping's profile. That's lovely. Thank you, Claire. And what about the paper that, that we talked about? Can we get access that's to it. that? That's, that's, that's found there. That's found there as well, is it? Yes. Can you repeat those details, Claire? Yes, yeah, so it's the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust website and search for Claire Sepping's profile. Lovely. And my report is there.
Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys, um, Nick and Nick and Keith, and and um, keep up the good work. Thank you. Really enjoyed talking. Thanks. That'll be lovely. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi. And that was um, a discussion, <laughs> a discussion um, with Nick, Keith, Claire, Rob. And you're back with the Doing Time show, and it's approximately – 4.51 and we're just going to wrap up the show now with, with Claire um, here as well as our one of our special guests. And Claire, what, what did you think of that, that discussion? Oh, look, I think it was brilliant. I mean, it's exciting for me especially to um, have been able to have, you know, Keith and, and Nick from Red Cross in Tasmania on the phone. I mean, it's just really bringing us all together and sharing that information. Um, but about what keeping that whole concept of that it's those that have gone through the prison system are the experts and that by using their expertise we're actually breaking down that whole stigma and we're actually literally organically breaking down that um, belief that we feel that the community is 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 sort of the us and them um, and that the community doesn't understand um, what it would be like for people coming out of prison, we're humanising it um, and we're, we're, sh- we're showing what value they've got too. So the likes of someone like Nick who's wanted, who's been through the system wants to be able to then um, you know, work in a professional role where he's actually going to help people that have been through the system like him. I mean, I think that's just that's just a brilliant example of that. And the more that we can keep sharing... Um, this information, spreading the word around the country, that's only going to benefit by breaking down the whole stigma. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly right. And and I'm hoping, you know, that we can have more success stories. Absolutely. Because mm. often what tends to happen, um, we don't have enough of those stories and often what tends to happen is we we have here on this show, you know, people that are that are killed you know we there's deaths in custody there's um refugees and asylum seekers in detention you you know there are um you know people that are reoffending again and again and again and and being traumatized in prison do you know like there's just so much injustice and you know i'm i'm really hoping Mm. that we can start getting new programs in 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 australia yeah definitely a lot of the stigma is is that oh they've done some something dangerous most cases they haven't but even the ones that are done something dangerous doesn't mean the person is really dangerous themselves and we think oh we got to lock them up keep them out of the way of society and and protect ourselves we got to put them somewhere far away and isolated but in fact that if we can house them somewhere where they can have access to the resources that they need, then they they can change and they can come back into society for good and do something good for society. Yeah, no, it's 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 important. It's all about you know helping each other because often what tends to happen, prison is a reflection of society, isn't it? Mm. It's a reflection of what goes on out here. Yeah, sometimes a lot of us goes on the wrong path, and we need a bit of a time out. And uh, getting they can get directed back onto the right path, or it could be also you know miscarriages of justice that 
you know, that, that happened as well. But also we won't have time to talk about that now because it's approximately 4.54. Um, we've got about three minutes before we finish. Um, I'm just going to go into another announcement and then we'll say goodbye. Keep Radical Radio on the air. Pledge your support for a 3CR program during Radiothon. To make your pledge, call us on 9419 8377 or visit us at the station, 21 Smith Street in Collingwood, and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. You can also visit the website 3cr.org.au or if you prefer post, send your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. And be sure to tell us which program you would like your donation to go to. Support radical programs with passion. And you're back with the Doing Time show and I'm sure... Listeners who have listened to the whole show will have noticed that I did play that announcement twice and it was a deliberate thing that I've done um, just to highlight the fact that we did have Radiothon and that it is important on hoping, if you haven't already, um, please pay your pledges and for the ones that have paid um, to the shows at 3CR, thank you very, very much indeed. And um, for people that haven't paid... Um, there, there was just some details there about how, how to pay to keep um, 3CR on air. And um, the, as you know, the Do and Time show did meet its target um, and, and we wanted to thank you for that once again. It's approximately 4.56 and we've got about a minute left. Um, thank you to all our guests for coming, for either being on the phone or coming in. Um, we're going to be going out now with our black uh, our song theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, by the Rumpy Band. And we'll see you next week, every week, every Monday, 4 to 5, for the Doing Time show. We've got Beyond Zero up next. So it's goodbye from all of us. Um, goodbye from Marissa. Goodbye from Clay. 